Welcome back to another episode of the Romantically Lit Podcast. Today, for all our listeners, we have a very special guest. We are beyond excited to be interviewing the sweet Ebony Liddell uh, to discuss <laughs> your lovely YA novel that we are personally obsessed with, uh, Love Radio. So welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for inviting me and having me on this lovely month that is Black History Month and also a month exactly. of love. <laughs> That's right, all of it, okay? <laughs> exactly. Um, so we're just going to dive right into it. So the first question we have for you is, we, uh, you know, as a Romantic Lit podcast, we read a lot of rom-coms, and they're usually geared towards, you know, the adult audiences. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting coming across Love Radio and seeing that it's a YA focus. So we wanted to know, like, how did you initially begin to think about the novel you wanted to write and why focus on young adults in particular? Yeah, so um, that's a really great question. Thank you. Um, so to give a little backstory, in addition to being a writer, I also have a pretty like extensive experience working in publishing. I actually worked in marketing um, and was a market director for like the last job I had before I decided to like go into being an author full time. I had the pleasure of working on both sides. So I was able to work in both um, children's and adult. And I started my career in school and library where I was basically doing both adult and children's at the same time. And then my career kind of went into like the adult trajectory. And what I realized very early on was I, I came from HBCU, right? I came from Howard, I worked in the bookstore, all the books were black. It was just like the wildest thing to me to just be able to walk in a bookstore and be like, oh my God, I have so much to choose from. You know what I mean? Like in addition to yeah. textbooks and all that stuff to then working in a department that you know prioritize children's lit which also prioritize diversity to then going into other like companies and realizing like oh this isn't as much of a priority and i think the other thing for me was because i was working uh because i worked at the bookstore i just saw all these books by black authors and didn't understand like imprints and there are certain imprints that you know dedicate themselves to different types of genres of books and different types of authors and I wasn't seeing what I wanted to see. And so I was getting com completely frustrated with publishing. And mm -hmm. in the last attempt, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna go back into the children space. And so that's when I worked at HarperCollins for like half of my career essentially. And I got to work with a lot of authors who were authors of color, black authors. And that was sort of my goal. And so like, you know, working with like, you know, Evie Savoy or Angie Thomas or Tiffany D. Jackson or Tahir Mafri or like all these authors of color who are strong, who their work really embodies what I want to write, um, really inspired me to be like, you know what, I, I do feel like the YA route is the way I want to go because it's the way I've always felt. Um, mm -hmm. And also talking to teenagers, like one of the things that I realized and talking to them and marketing for them is like, we have to, we have to move it along. Like we can't be stuck in the same way that we were. Like every generation kind of pushes us all to like, you know, grow. And I wanted to kind of write in an audience that is actually willing <laughs> to yeah. grow, you know, like not all adults all the time are about it. And so what yeah. I thought of is 
what would it be like to be able to understand a healthy love relationship early on as a teenager? How would that then help guide your journey, especially as a black girl? Okay. Um, like I think when Odile and I were reading the book, there were many moments and we we definitely felt that message coming directly from you because we were reading the book. We we're thinking to ourselves, I wish I had this book when I was a teenager. Oh, <laughs> I feel you. like I would have learned a lot so yeah. much about myself and friendships and like what it means to love oneself, other people, forming communities. Um, so your message definitely pulled through, through the oh, book. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. It was, I mean, it was really, that's, that's what the goal was even for me. Um, and just remember growing up having all these like coming of age movies, like 10 things I hate about you and she's all that. And like, the notebook, I wrote for the notebook, you know, like all these <laughs> movies that show love that were beautiful and amazing, but like I yeah. never was able to like see myself in it without it being a side character or not even a character of color at all, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you have like the black romances that are just like ugh, breathtaking and beautiful, but they were for adults, you know? Like I was watching them and my mom would be like, cover your eyes and so I'm <laughs> doing like this, you know, watching the movies. Yeah. So I just wanted to be able to like bridge both of those worlds together through the story. Wow. Um, I had a follow-up question to that, or more comic, because, yeah, I feel like in all industries right now, there is, like, a lack of space for teenagers, like, um, and I've been seeing the conversation within, like, should adults even be reading YA, and I think the consensus is, like, you can read whatever you want to read, just don't expect the space to cater to you, the adult yeah. who's reading it, kind of thing, so, yeah, yeah. anyway, I don't remember, like, and I talk about all the time. I don't remember, like, I have younger cousins in that age group. I don't mm -hmm. see the books that they're reading that are like romance wise, especially that are catered to their genre or to their age group. So, yeah, especially with TikTok, everything's a little spicy. So, yeah. yeah. And I also think, too, with even like the comment about should adults be reading, I, I think they absolutely should, you know, like that. I have a gripe, and this is someone who has worked on like, you know, highbrow literary fiction and YA. I really have a gripe about um, how children's literature is portrayed. Like it's, you know, less than, and I think it speaks to yeah. how we treat our mm -hmm. kids in general, you know, and also like what we value is as important, like important to an adult. It's like, oh, well, you don't speak on these things and you kind of expand on this part. And it's just like, this is a lot of fluff right here. Like I'm yeah. trying to get to the point, you know, and it doesn't yeah. take away. I love adult literature, but um, I think it takes away from like the point of the story, you know? And so for a lot of adults too, I think that part of the reason why they should rewrite literature is because they are behind and because they could benefit from it just as much as a child. And like, honestly, them and a teenager could talk about it together and the teenager will probably still send them on <laughs> some of the subject matter. Yeah. Which is important, but nobody really wants to, you know, be told about themselves from a teenager, I think. A lot but, of adults. And, so. Yeah. And that's the problem, too. Like, yeah. you know, you're, we're not humble enough to be like, maybe this person who's younger than me has something great has to it. say. Yeah. yeah. Like, new insight, new perspective. Uh, maybe less jaded about the world, you know? Like, willing mm -hmm. to yeah. make changes, willing to envision, envision something that we can't envision ourselves. So, yeah. 
Okay, so our, our next question would be, um, did you feel a need to romanticize Detroit in your writing, or did that come naturally out of a love for your hometown? Because I'm not going to lie, like, I've been to Detroit before, and there are things about, you know, the mm-hmm. Motor City. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was reading it, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. But then by the time I was done, I was like, Hannah, we're like, we need to get in the car, we need to go to Detroit. Oh, yeah. like, I need to see it again. <laughs> 100%. So this is actually, I really love this question because I think it talks about the complications of living in an inner city in general. Um, one of the reasons why I don't think there was enough romance being shown um, Black love is because you got to talk about the hard stuff too, you know? Um, but also, it shouldn't be the whole focus of the story. Like, people are living it. They don't want to experience that through a story either. And so I wanted to... I think what I always talk about is the grit and the beauty of any city. You know, like I live in D.C. right now and crime is up, you know, like the crime is up in a lot of cities across the country, too. And uh, it's always like that. There are always these ebbs and flows. When I went to Howard, crime was up in D.C. and then it went back down. And then, you know, funding and resources left these cities. And then the same thing happened again. And so when writing love radio what i was trying to do more than anything was create special moments and Mm -hmm. those special moments kind of come into this one story i opted to show the positive sides in the city that i've experienced and that does not mean that that is the full experience but you're not going to get a full experience in a story about a city that's been you know hit with crime but also like there's a lot of positivity. I think Stephen A. Smith showed that recently um, with, the, with football. I don't know if y'all watch football. I'm not going to get into it too much. But essentially, commentator, you know, the Lions, we ain't been a good team in a minute. And, like, you know, we doing things this year. And Stephen A. Smith kind of, like, really went in about how Detroit is just horrible and it's all this stuff. And it's just, like, it really – this, to me, describes Detroit. Is every time you hear about Detroit in the media – it's mm-hmm. always something dramatic like this. Yes, there are some things that go down. Yes, mm-hmm. there are things that go down in every city. Do we have to only constantly talk about that? And so that was my personal frustration. I'm like, I'm tired of my city. I'm tired of the only time you see something in the media that shows it. It's drugs. It's crime. It's all these things. There are also really important things that this city has done for this country. The biggest thing for the world is create a new sound, a new genre of sound. And nobody really wants to talk about that, you know? And so I wanted to incorporate my love for music. There is a heartbeat of it. Music is just so ever-present in the city. Um, Like, growing up, like, my family is probably some of the most, like, emotionally attuned music people ever, you know? Like, they just feel it. And so I wanted to... And so in, in some ways, I might have romanticized it, but really it was more like taking memories from my own childhood and things that I loved and experienced, putting them all in the book together and saying, this is the this is what I'm choosing to show. And it doesn't change me also not showing hardships, like showing, you know, I don't talk necessarily about where Prince is from, but I give an example, I give, I show examples of like, you know, how his living conditions are different than Danny's and how, you know, his mother is like, don't be ashamed of that. Or how he had friends that he had to also nip in the bud because they were going on a different life and he's trying to be positive and straight and narrow. And so those are ways that I kind of showed that stuff was still happening around them. They were choosing to be positive and be present and like, you know, 
get their act together and do what they wanted to do after after high school. Yeah. That's a wonderful uh, explanation of it. I'm so glad well, that you. you heard all that and the context. I'm also glad that you, you, you've you been to all of the places that were being described in the book as well. I would say one of my favorite chapters, and you know, I I know about Motown music. Uh, mm-hmm. My dad, you know, like he listens to a lot of the legends, but it didn't occur to me that this was the birthplace was in Detroit mm-hmm. <laughs> we're reading through the book. So when yeah, Prince was going through the museum and you, accurately beautifully explained like every aspect in every section of the museum just like we have to go to detroit <laughs> we have to go to detroit we have to see this and we're music lovers as well okay. so yeah it's it really nice to like have an understanding or have prince you know who is so young but so talented yeah. above anything else like even shocking you know the person who was t- you know guiding them through the museum um but it was it was just a, it was just lovely i feel i feel like in the beginning we described it as like an, an ode to detroit that's what he felt like like yeah. a love letter in some sorts and yeah definitely definitely want to see the museum as well as try Aww. the uh, superman ice cream <laughs> i don't know what i don't know what it's all about but it looks interesting yeah <laughs> it's it's just just and everything. i just wanted to show and some of the things you might be like you know this is cool and some of you might be like mm, this is not my thing but you know any home city like there we have our things and yeah, it might not be for you, and that's okay. But that's why you're a tourist, and we're from, you know, like that. <laughs> and I think there is a respect of that too. That's really yeah. important. Um, and about Motown, like one of the things that was fascinating to me, and it's I'm, I haven't seen it. Uh, they they redone it, and so they the museum is much bigger. But I was just always fascinated by like all this music being created in these houses that I. Like my dad, he grew up around the corner from the museum. And so like the way the houses are built in Detroit or like I know how the structure is. And so to know that like all this music, all of these like artists, like all of these like mega like major songs and titles and and albums came from these houses that like people just like converted. It just I think shows the brilliance of like um, what creativity and what artistry can can be. Yeah. Definitely think about Detroit. Uh, put on the list for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had a follow-up question then because you said you are a music lover like Prince. Are you also like a title defender like diehard like he is? Or No. So that joke is actually for, I like to do like, I don't, and I always, I don't always share this, but I like to do little Easter eggs for like people in my life too. Um, okay. And that actually is dedicated to my husband who's like really big on that. And I'm like, bro, really? Okay, stop. So my, Danny is like me, like, okay, dad. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, but it's so funny because I, I, but then I started to like really think about the breakdown of it. And, and I haven't done it recently. I know like things shift all the time. So I'm like, I don't think Jay-Z, I think he sold it recently or something like this. I don't know who owns titles. I need to figure this out. But I I, ha- I started to get give a lot of thought into like artist shares as an artist, you know, who is like, how much is really going to this person? Because, you know, I also remember CDs. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna age myself too much, but like there was a time that I was like looking through the booklets and like playing the cassette tapes when I was little, you know, like got a little big old boom box my mom got me for Christmas. So yeah, like I can appreciate the physical value, like how much that costs compared to streaming. And that's, it made me start to like be a little bit better about it at least. Okay. 
That's that's I was yeah I mean when the whole title thing came down I got like the thirty I don't know what try it wasn't it was not thirty days I think it was like less mm. than that and I did and I was listening to the stuff and I was like I don't get it <laughs> I was like is this supposed to be a little bit more in tune to the ear it, it is it, it is supposed to be and that's another thing like I learned this was a very much a COVID thing where like. I was, we were stuck in the house and me and my spouse were just listening to music and like really listening to music. Like, because what else are you doing? And for me, I was working in New York, but you know, working and publishing in New York, but New York was like, you know, first place to get hit, hit the hardest. And so after being there for a little bit, I ended up leaving and my husband was in school in Virginia. And so I'm like in the middle of the mountains in like Blacksburg, Virginia by Virginia Tech, just like doing nothing. And so I was writing and also like we were really listening to music. And so, yeah, you can feel the difference. But if you're honestly like if you're in your car or if you're like walking down the street or on the bus or the metro or, you know, like I don't think unless you have like amazing speakers, I mean, amazing Headphones, I don't think you're going to notice it. And there was no world in which I was about to wear some ex super expensive, like, headphones in New York while I was on the train. So it's just a different experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, there's something that you really touched upon um, when you were describing, uh, you know, Detroit and everything and talking about Danny's life versus Prince's um, and, you know, their, their, their groups, their sisterhood, and then also, like, the group of friends that Prince has. So I would love to know, like, what type of media forum or anything were you looking into when you were trying to create these really strong friendship, black, strong black friendship dynamics between these two groups um, in the book? Yeah, I wanted to show how, especially for teenagers, how sometimes their home situation, I mean, Danny and Prince, I think, are an example of teenagers who have, you know, strong support systems. And I think that's important to say for for them, it could be a privilege, especially for Danny, you know, mm -hmm. um, having both of your parents in your home. And I'm not saying, I don't want to get into stereotypes, but also we have to be honest that like there are, especially like for black and brown kids, there might be a lack of a parent present for a lot of different reasons. It doesn't necessarily have to be they left. Like they could have passed away. We could talk about the medical system. <laughs> like we could talk about so many ways in which like we're not afforded the same things. And so that things happen. Um, but I wanted to show a teenager that, like, if you cannot find that in your family, you can certainly find that in your friends. And mm -hmm. but the important thing is to make sure your friends are good friends to you. And also to recognize that, like, you could have a friend that was great for, like, middle school and then high school shorty acting up. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's a difference. And there could be a lot of factors. It could be a little bit of envy. It could be a little bit of this. It could be a little bit of that. And you hear that with Destiny when she's talking to Danny about like, oh, your life, you know? And so it's one of those things that like, I wanted people to understand like, yes, there is a privilege that Danny has. And also, yes, it does not change the fact that she should just let anybody treat her any kind of way. And also here is what healthy friendships do look like because she pushes everybody away and her real ones have to remind her like, we we weren't her, you know what I mean? We don't act like her. We love you and we care for you. And that's not fair to us. And so I also wanted to show like, um, you know, Danny's character flaws in that situation. And yeah. for Prince, I wanted to show how you know he found friends who are mature like him because he you know he's taking care of his mother so that is going to make him a little bit more of an adult and so you have aunt who is also taking care of a child and in that situation i wanted to show there could be a teenager who has a kid 
in, in some ways, it could help him. It could force him to grow up a little more. And it's not a bad thing. And Bro can still live his life, and he can still go on to do amazing things. And if anything, his kid is going to be more inspired by the fact that he was able to do all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to remind teens, like, if you feel alone, like, recognize that you got friends to hold you down. And I know y'all are all young and trying to figure it out, but you can figure it out together because that's another thing. A lot of times with these relationships or dynamics, you know, like I'm a first gen college graduate, mm -hmm. like you have to <laughs> figure stuff out on your own sometimes when you're a black person and it's just the cards were dealt, but like there are people who can really be your support system. Yeah. Shout out to all those friends. They were so good. Uh, yeah. Rashida and Effie, they're just like, you're not going to sit here and now get up, girl. We got to go. <laughs> we got to figure yeah. it out. <laughs> they were very mature. At times I was like, oh, my God, I'm thinking of myself at 16, 17. Like, could I have been this type of friend? Like, I'm not I even know. sure. I know. Everybody says that. I made everybody mature, a little bit mature on purpose. Because the goal <laughs> is also to, like, and it was hard. But I'm like, I, I'm, I'm like. I'm the line is here and I'm like right here. Like, you know, I know and yeah. for some people they're probably like, oh, Ebony, she's there too mature. But it's like, I wanted to show, listen, I'm trying to also like low key educate, you know? So like, if I can have everybody in this story be like their best messy selves, then that's what I'm going to do, you know? Or I'm going to use certain characters to be a bit more messy so that the mature ones can kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. level set everything. So, um, yeah. I know they're mature, but I hope it came out right. <laughs> Just to add to that, like what you're saying about their parents, they have amazing parents. Like the last chapter between Prince and his mom and they're having that conversation literally brought me to tears. And I think also like the way in which Danny's mom approaches her daughter going through something. And like, mm -hmm. I think I said this as well, like a lot of us come from parents who absolutely care, but they're like, tell me, like, tell me right now, tell me what's yeah. wrong. Yeah. Like Danny's mom was like, I'm going to give you your time, try and figure out what you need. And you're going to come to me when you're ready. Yeah. And even like in, um, her friends, like, I think we saw a little, like, a glimpse of Essie's parents at the um, the show and just mm -hmm. how proud they are of her, especially as, like, an African queer child. Like, yeah. I think that's so important for all the, you oh. know, African queer babies out there who are just, like, I'm not sure, but, like, to see oh. parents supportive, yeah. like, that, I was, like, that's what we need to see. But, yeah, I loved, like, just the example of mother, Black motherhood was just, yeah. like, absolutely beautiful as well as father because danny's dad was amazing as well yeah. but yeah. yeah oh thank you so much that makes me i know you know that makes me so happy also because i'm i'm also not a mother um yeah. and so but i'm like a mom friend which i've decided in 2022 i might like i might have to retire <laughs> but um i i don't know like i just i i I've been around strong women. Like I have a mother figure who has always been a strong woman in my life. Um, I have a stepmother, so I have a bonus mom. You know, like I've been sort of raised by like, you know, my grandmother because I would go down south to be with her and like aunts. And so I've, I've just seen a lot of, I've seen it with a lot of different types of women and strong women in different settings uh, across generations. And yeah. I think I've, I'm just I'm fortunate enough to have witnessed them and witnessed them because I'm able to just pull little pieces. Like I feel like I'll always have pieces, like nuggets to pull from the women in my life who've just been so influential. So I'm happy that yeah. it came across that way. 
it it definitely did. And also, I I think um, even in the book, I loved when Danny's mom gifted her the typewriter and had like yeah. the names of the black feminists um, that you know. And then of course, like her name being right next to yeah. I don't know what it was, but and I was like, that is just that is beyond love that I don't know what to describe it and of course like throughout the book um I love the letters that uh Danny made to some of her uh you know her favorite uh, black feminists uh Toni Morrison Bell Hooks so like for you personally um how important was it for you to incorporate those black feminists into the book and really showcase like how these women here can build you know your ideology about yourself and just you know everything and moving across life as well um, it was incredibly important because it was something that I used. Um, one of the things that I wanted to show in the book was therapy, but therapy in different forms, especially for Black kids who don't have access to therapy. Therapy is expensive. It's also a privilege. Um, but I had found ways to do it in ways I didn't even realize when I was growing up. So journaling was my form of therapy. I was shy, didn't always know how to communicate. Um, it's a problem I still have to this day. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, you doing the most. And I just said, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I ain't got it. You know, like I'm exhausted. Yeah. Like having a conversation with you is not going to be easy. You're not going to hear me. So I'm going to have to fight to be heard. <laughs> and so journaling was great because it's like, I'm able to just say whatever I feel. And like, no one's judging me. No one's silencing me. Like I'm able to get it all out. I mean, before my thoughts, um, so that was one thing. Prince does it with music therapy, which is something that um, I would have to say my dad, like growing up in Detroit um, during the height of the crack epidemic, that was something that really helped him get through, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, that was important, first and foremost. Also, like even the counselor, like having him be a part of the group as like a resource for kids to think about, that was important. But when I was writing Danny's chapters, um, I was not comfortable enough writing to any of the writers that I love, even though they would never see it still. You know, like I, I didn't feel comfortable. So I wanted her to be a bit more confident in that. But mm-hmm. I wanted to show through these works that, you know, you're able to pull things that are very important to you. You know, like you're able to find comfort. You're able to find resolution. You're able to not feel as crazy sometimes. And that is why representation um, is so important across all different types of groups because like I wrote that letter in there to Toni Morrison based off of Sula and you know Sula that book is it's spicy and like that friendship is like great until it's not and it's complicated and you can even begin to understand Sula in a lot of ways even if you're not rocking with her for parts of the book because of what she's done mm-hmm. um, and so I wanted to like show these old these older writers for a newer generation so that they're that is something that they can look to and recognize like your favorite writers were inspired by their favorite writers and like you can't begin to understand like even if tony might be too much for you right now like i want you to remember her name just in case i'm there's i mean the internet is reminding everyone but just in case i want you to remember her name in this particular book and what it did for danny in this particular chapter because when you're in your 20s and you're going through something you have another friendship breakup you know love radio might not be the book that you need to read but maybe sula is the book that you need to read so like Mm -hmm. it was also a way for me to like highlight you know other important works in a way where like teens might actually pick it up after they read Love Radio, which is my goal. Yeah. 
Yeah, like even I was thinking that too. I was like, dang, she's reading bell hooks in like know. Yeah. But like, I was but you know what I was thinking about? Um I was thinking about the books that I was reading when I was in high school and didn't have any no. YA books. Like it was bad. So like yeah. I'm reading, you know, like obviously I'm reading Goosebumps and Babysitters Club yeah. and <laughs> all that stuff. But I'm also like, I want something different. So I'm over here reading my mom's like five-year-old romance novels, which you know, <laughs> didn't do that. I'm reading Danielle Steele. Danielle oh Steele. Oh my god, my mom. She was oh really my god. Control. Like, it was just like dang, this happened. This person got kidnapped. Like, I'm just dealing with all but for me, I also watch Unsolved Mysteries. <laughs> like, that was my thing. I guess the point I'm making is, like, I'm reading these adult books. I'm also reading, like, Fly Girl and The Coldest Winter Ever. And so I'm <laughs> like, you know what? <laughs> if I can read Air Jerome Dickey, Terry McMillan, like, I'm reading these books yeah. in middle school and high school. And so I'm like, you know what? If I'm already reading this stuff at my small age, back in the day i know teenagers are reading it now so you know what i'm gonna talk about these really like i'm gonna talk about bell hooks because i need us all to love ourselves and you know yeah. what maybe you only read a portion or a chapter this year and next year you get to a few more but like i want you to get there because i know what you i know what you're reading regardless is my point okay <laughs> i'm trying to convince hana to let us review coldest winter ever on the podcast because <laughs> There's just, you're right, there's no reason why any of us were reading that in high school. Like, I think about it, I was like, the whole character is crazy between Midnight and Winter. And, like, just the whole thing is a little, like, I understand Sister Soldier's point, but, like, mm -hmm. I feel like it was a lot. Like, I should not have been reading that 13, 14, but, yeah. Yeah, we should but it was, like, all we had, you know? And so that's, yeah. again, like, I'm not knocking Fly Girl or Coldest Winter ever at all. I'm just saying that we need balance, you know? We need... A, we need everything and it just felt like we were only getting certain type of story and for me yeah. fly girl in the coldest winter ever i'm like yeah i know these girls like i yeah. might be friends with some of these girls but i am not this girl <laughs> like <laughs> where is me you know like where is the dirty black girl who also wants to be in love and like i'm not about to be out here like that like i'm at home doing curfew you know what I mean? like, <laughs> where's that girl so yeah that's why i wrote about that girl Okay. <laughs> well, it's a good balance. But there's a lot of education that was happening in Love Radio. And so even when you were mentioning these different Black families, I was like, let me go back into like Bell Hooks. Let me go back into uh, Maya Angelou and see, you know, what's going on. I love Maya Angelou. Um, yes. So it, it was great to see that representation. And I, I, we could definitely see there's an education with it as well yeah. as, you're, as you're diving into the characters. Um, I guess I, I want to do a little bit of like lighter questions, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah. So if you could rank your top romance novels. So of course in the book, Daddy's Mom is a complete hopeless romantic. But if you could like rank, let's say your top five. Uh -huh. like, no, no order. No, uh, no, top five. So let's start for like your least and then to your number one. I can't one do that though. <laughs> I can't do that. You never have to get a number one. I don't have a <laughs> Okay. I, I will say I have a number one, but because okay. it's, it's history, it's who it is. Um, their eyes are watching God. I'm going to okay. start there. That's number one, Zora Neale Hurston. And it is, I think for me, it was the first like, it was the first black romance, and I know there's a lot happening in that move, that book. Um, yeah. It's not just like a, you know, a romance is, I don't even know if it would technically be considered a romance uh, mm -hmm. at all, but it was one for me. It was the first time I felt like I saw like black stories represented that was really like honest 
even for that time period. I'm also mm-hmm. obsessed with like, you know, um, historical fiction that is just done well. And I'm, and honestly, it's, it's Zora, you know? Um, so yeah, it was like a first for me. And I think it was interesting for me to read it and be so like, so invested in it at an early age. Like, I think I was late teens, early twenties, you know? Um, and so I think it just really speaks to like her writing capabilities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what are some of, I'm not like, I need to look, I need to look behind me. Um, uh, okay, not in order, but I'm gonna say I'm, I'm like a lot of people. Um, I love I love seven days in June. Like I am a TOH fan. Um, and it's so funny because I remember I I want to say I had finished. I think I finished Love Radio when that book was coming out, and I just submitted it, and. One of my friends is like, okay, you need to read, you need to read this book. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay. She was like, because I feel like she she knew what I was writing. And she was like, and I feel like basically what you're trying to capture with YA, I think you're gonna find that Tia did this in adult. Um, she does this so well. And I was just like, oh, okay, cool. And I read it and I was just like, Yeah, you're absolutely right. This is this is exactly what I what I needed. Um, so yeah, she's one. Um, Kennedy Ryan's Before I Let Go, um, and Kennedy Ryan in general, like, I haven't read all her work, um, mm-hmm. but I know I would read it and love all of it, because there is also just a realness that she brings to each story that is just incredible. Um, the characters are rich and fully developed, and you feel like you're getting a true representation of, like, Blackness, um, while yeah. also trying to navigate love and life and everything, so, um, definitely ones by her so was that three um okay i'm gonna do some YA. i'm trying to think what i got okay this is one that i've been talking about for a minute um on and off where the rhythm takes you have you guys read this one no no okay so this one came out a few years ago um it is such a beautiful book so it is a book set in and Tobago, um, it is a book about a musician who goes away, kind of become a famous musician and his long lost love who still lives on the island and she is running her family like um, resort or something like that. And mm-hmm. he comes back and they fall in love. And it's just for someone who, so one of the things that I would hear in publishing was that like, oh, music books don't sell. And so I'm like, all right, let me write this romance book with music at the center, you know? Um, yeah. And I felt like she did such a good job. Sarah did also a really great job of like making music be at the focus and the center of the book and still creating a beautiful love story. So that's one of my favorite YA um, romances. And hey. then uh, what does that make me at? Uh, you know, April. one more. I got one more. Oh, yeah. So hard. See, this is why I didn't write them in order. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna. The sun is also a star. Is one that I really, really love. Um, I love Nicola Yoon, um, as a writer, and I love what she did between those two characters. It felt like almost poetic to me. Like the chapters mm-hmm. are very short, but also you're really getting the sense of like what she's going through about to be deported and like randomly meeting this guy by chance um also another thing that she does that's really beautiful is that she'll have chapters on other like things so i think she had a chapter 
on here where it's like talking about that. I don't know. It's just the way she breaks up the chapters and creates the yeah. story. I think it's beautifully done. Um, definitely one of those. The book was better. <laughs> I'm gonna say it. I hope I don't get in trouble, but I'm gonna say it. <laughs> you know. And then the books tend to be better, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, there's something about just flipping the page and the, the storyline and how it's built up. We all like yeah. that. Um, so we're at 12 or 8. Do you have enough time for like two more questions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Um, you talked about all these books that you uh, you absolutely adore. So which type of love tropes do you tend to like gravitate towards? Like what are your favorites? Because uh-huh. like Before I Let Go and Second uh-huh. Seven Days in June is definitely like, you know, second chance. So yeah. What type of tropes are you really into? Um, I mean, I, my favorite, honestly, is like the enemies to lovers. Um, okay. I, I, I love really? it. Yeah, so I, when it's done right, I do. Because I'll be real. I am not. So I am not a person that like can just I'm not the one that falls fast and easily. And a lot of times <laughs> I feel like a lot of the men like my husband and like people like you guys are for it it felt like it always was one of those situations where like in the beginning it's like nah I ain't really messing with you. Like it's just like I don't know you. I don't trust you. But really what it is is like I'm feeling something and I don't know how I feel about it. So yeah. like my first instinct is stranger danger, right? And so I think that's what makes enemies to lovers when done well done incredibly well because you just there are there are underlying feelings there that like they have not dealt with and then it comes to surface um i guess i do like second chance when done right as well um i do think that people are very much people and can make mistakes and be better and get it together um and also i think it's really important for us to see that you know i think when we think of relationships it's like oh if they do something like i'm out and it's like they cheated, we breaking up, it was broken up, it's over. And it's like, it, it could be so many other things that happen that causes a breakup and also could cause a reconciliation. So um, I think it's really nice to see the complications of like love on the page and how they're able to like commit to each other at the end of it. Um, yeah, I think those are like, those are probably like my favorite ones. Okay. And then another question is, are there any like modern, because obviously in the book you name like Love Jones, mm-hmm. uh, Brown Sugar, are there any modern rom-coms or just romantic movies that like you like or find her up to that speed? Modern. Um, uh, I'm trying to think. This is a good question. And I feel like like modern, like they came out recently, or yeah. like modern, yeah, like they're like, set in modern time. Like, let's say like the past, like what year is it? Twenty. Okay, let's say the past like 10, 15 oh, okay. years. I'm trying to think. Um, one movie that I really fell in love with was Sylvie's Love. Yeah. Um, yes. Oh my god, that movie was so good. I felt like yeah. that movie, um, was one that I'm like, yo, I haven't felt like I haven't felt this type of like, ugh, you know what I mean? Like pining mm-hmm. for a romance movie in a minute. Um, so that's definitely one. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I mean, to get a little, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I've also like everybody else. I'm a to all the boys in the summer. I turn pretty sad. <laughs> like I think those are. I think Jenny does those so well. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. <laughs> No, but you like crawl through to some right turn pretty. I've watched you watch it. Like the other two boys, all the boys I ever loved, I'm like, okay. But yeah. every time I hear this uh this summer I turn pretty, I'm like, I can't, I can't do it. Like I can't do it. But 
Um, and then I'm trying to think. That's so funny. I love that there's this, like, I love that you guys have this, like, tension between this. Um, <laughs> well, this is actually really a question. I'm sure that there are more, but I think, I think now what I'm also finding is that, um, sometimes it's just, like, the romance or chemistry between, because here's the thing. This is the thing that I feel like is the hardest part people don't realize. It doesn't matter how good the script is. If that chemistry is not there, yep. boy, it's not going to work. Like, it just doesn't yep. work. And so I feel yeah. like what I find is, like, there might be movies where it's like, oh, like, the story could be there, but the chemistry is off. And that just kills it for me. And so I think casting is so important yep. when it comes to these movies. And I'm sure, like, there are authors who are frustrated when their movies don't get the proper casting. Um, I would be frustrated, too. But yeah, so, so I think what I'm also finding is I'm I'm pulling like scenes from movies that I'm like, oh, this part, like it's not even a romance. It's like, you know, a crazy fantasy, but this part of it, oh my God, like it has me. Like that's where I feel like I've been in the last few Yeah, years. that's, I'm afraid to say, cause I love the people in the movie, but I'll say it. Like um, the photograph for me, yeah. I don't think, Issa Rae. I love Issa Rae. I love Lucy mm-hmm. Stanfield. I mm-hmm. feel like together the romance wasn't there. Mm-hmm. But the okay. secondary story between y- uh, Yolanda Noel and Shantae mm-hmm. Adams, I was like, that was I would see that. Yeah. Like, That's a beautiful that story. That's a beautiful movie. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Okay, and then I, we have a couple more questions. Um, what spots would you suggest people visit in Detroit? Like, if we showed up today right at the border, we'd be like, please go here. Please go here. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I mean, so Northland is not a thing, but so, oh, but I will say, so Campus Marshes Park where they had the ice skating ceremony. I mean, I'm going to be real. Well, you guys, I'm, y'all deal with it too. I, I'm done with the cold weather. Like Prince <laughs> talking about winters in Detroit, that was me projecting. I'm just, <laughs> like, it was like, and my birthday is in May, so it's like, oh, God, at least by May, I know my, like, it's going to be warm. Yeah. But I just couldn't do it all the snow. So I wouldn't suggest going during the dead of winter, unless you're just used to it, and that's fine. But in the spring, um, they have, I think it's like the motor, what do they call it? Basically, they have, they build a skating rink. Um, and the name is escaping me right now, but it's a really beautiful outside outdoor skating rink that they have right in the heart of downtown. I would suggest doing that. Um, Aretha Franklin Amphitheater has like really amazing summer music, uh, like a whole summer music series. And they'll have like, you know, rap, R&B, old school, funk, like they have all different types of artists. And I do think that the curation really shows like the heart of Detroit. And so like one weekend you'll have like, like a group of like rappers who are coming in and you're like, oh, that makes sense. And another weekend you have like a 90 set and it's like, oh, that makes sense. So that's something else. Um, and then, you know, I would just say like resident Coney Island, they're like really Coney Islands on every corner. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, you gotta, you gotta get the chili cheese fries. Like you gotta, you gotta get those staples that like, okay. even if it's not the best one, <laughs> it is what you experience after you go to a concert or something, maybe have a drink or two, and then you need like that late night snack. So those are a couple that I can name off the back that should be done. And downtown is just beautiful in general. 
Okay. We're in Toronto, so we get what you mean about the cold. Like, yeah, yeah. We've been lucky so far. I don't want to upset Mother yeah. Nature, but yeah. I get it. Uh, yeah, I know y'all get it. I would, that would be the other side would be where I would watch fireworks if it wasn't on my side. So um, <laughs> that was me back in the day. <laughs> or drinking at 19. That was all. Oh, right. All right. <laughs> we would all take our 19 year old selves across. <laughs> Oh gosh. Yeah, okay. I forgot that happened. But um <laughs> yeah, and then also we there's a Han, I think this is more your question about Keith yeah. Lee. He's a Detroit yeah. native. So Keith Lee is a Detroit native. And so what do you think about Keith Lee and the food reviews that he does? Like, I don't know. Do you have any opinions around it? Um, I'm I have no opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't getting in that fight. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> Because listen, I love, I will say, I think this is a great way to like kind of sort of end this is I actually wasn't going to write, the book was not even going to be set in Detroit initially. Like initially it was, well, I didn't know where it was going to be set, but I'm very character driven. So it was really just like me writing, fooling for like fleshing out Danny and Prince and the characters. But when I realized that I liked the concept of Prince giving love advice on the radio and like mm-hmm. it was inspired by growing up in Detroit and listening to like all the morning radio shows and like hearing the horrible love advice they would give um I was like oh I can't not write it in Detroit and then I was like oh crap I can't if I do this wrong like they coming for me hard you know so then I was like freaking out about that and so I then I had my family reason like I mean what is wrong with yeah. you but I think it's just like it was more of me being afraid as a writer and just like really mm-hmm. like focusing in on something. And so I don't, I like, I, I made it like people reviewed it. They love it. People from the city love it. So I'm like, I ain't getting involved in none of this uh, interesting uh, <laughs> stuff that goes down because I'm in good right now. So we don't keep it that way. <laughs> we try to stay good. <laughs> Okay. No, any of the people in Detroit love it. We love it too. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure everybody, everybody loves it. It's such a such a great book. Um, and yeah, I think that's all the questions that I personally have. Do you want anything to add on? I feel like you answered everything. I I feel full. <laughs> no, I, I definitely feel full as a fan. Um, like I gave my book to my younger cousins to read. Um, I actually Aww. borrowed it just to reread it before this interview. But like I was like, this is so good, guys. Like, please read it. <laughs> um, they didn't cry like I did. They're like, oh, Julia, you're weird. But like, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I just this has been great. You've answered all my Aww. questions, and um, yeah, I just hope you know, like, you know. Danny has a list of writers that she loves. Like you're up there, like with. Oh, yeah. Aww, thank you. I really appreciate so. that. I, I so appreciate that. Well, thank you. I mean, thank you both for having me on the podcast. I am still writing. I've announced that I am working on an anthology called "You Got a Place Here Too," and it's like an anthology of love stories set across HBCUs. And I have some pretty dope adult writers in it. Um, and also, kind of what I was talking about with some of the movies now. Um, I also try to choose writers that may not be in romance, but I've loved some of the romantic scenes in their book and feel like they could really like shine, you know, just writing the short story. So um, look out for that. And I will also be announcing um, my other like YA project very soon. So look out for that. Will it be a continuation of Danny, or are we? Are we, are we <laughs> um, so I, this is something that I've been saying. <laughs> tell a friend, tell a um, <laughs> What I've been saying is, you know how you get 
um, like a movie will do a reboot or something like yeah. that. You're like, oh, I can't wait to watch it. And it's just not popping. Um, I'm not allowing myself to have that. Like I'm, I'm so like shocked and proud and happy that people really like, like love radio, like in ways I didn't even expect. And so yeah. I'm like, if I can't outdo myself, then I will not write it. And I am completely fine with that because my name is on this book. So yeah, it, it's those, to answer your question, no. And also okay. to answer your question, I, I really need to feel like there is something that compels me to like go in that mm. direction. So. Okay, perfect. Well, we'll be definitely look out for any project that you put out. Um, we're huge supporters of your work. So Thank you. yeah, we'll definitely be looking, reviewing, you know, standing. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for this interview. These questions were amazing. I feel like you guys asked me questions that I haven't gotten in the way that I've gotten it. So um, Thank you so I'm so much. glad that we had to do this. Yeah, we're happy to. Um, <laughs> yeah, that concludes that concludes the interview. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, love.